You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, welcome guys. I want to just say, uh, give you a shout out and say, glad you guys are here this morning. It's the, I don't know if you are the brave or the dumb, depending on who you listen to in the media. We're either the stupidest people, most ignorant and have no clue what we're doing on the planet, or we are the really brave ones that just say, okay, we're going to keep, you know, we're going to be careful. So uh, anyway, truly glad you guys are here. And, uh, you know, I, 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 there's no way I could start just talking out of God's word this morning without kind of giving an update on just what we're doing and coronavirus and that kind of thing. And so uh, hopefully you got my email. And if you didn't get the email from our church, that means we either have the wrong email address or something's wrong. But if you would like updates to, you know, on what we're doing and, and how, whether we're going to be open or not in church, then... Uh, please make sure you uh, put your name and give us your email and contact info and drop it in the offering bucket and we'll make sure that's available because you know to be honest with you guys we don't know where this is going and uh, we're gonna not try to figure it out ahead of time Uh, the Proverbs uh, there's a proverb that says a fool answers a matter before he hears it Um, and to, to him who answers a matter before he hears it it's folly and shame so you end up being a fool or being embarrassed and ashamed of yourself. So we're just going to take it one step at a time as it makes sense and pay attention to what our governor's mandating and what CDC and everybody else under the sun's mandating. Until then, we're just going to be wise. So uh, and just ask everybody to, to take you know, the appropriate precautions for yourself and for everybody else. Um, honestly, Easter, you know, I, we don't know. Some people are like, well, are we going to still do Easter? Is it going to be in the park? I don't know. Town could this week say you're not doing it. Uh, We actually already had contingencies in place uh, so that we could easily do Easter here. So we're actually going to do it a little bit differently and have games and not just have just a bunch of eggs on the ground and go get them. So um, so we'll make all those decisions just as we kind of walk forward along the way. Uh, One pretty cool thing that actually has surfaced just uh, literally overnight, uh, the CDC uh, has contacted uh, the group of churches that we partner with, the, the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, and have asked that we would rally the, um, I heard like 50,000 churches that, that we are partnered with across the country, and ask that we would rally together to be willing to deliver food and meds to people's homes who are uh, not allowed to go out. Uh, it would be like a no contact thing. You literally just drop it on the thing, knock on the door and leave. And then also to uh, be there available to talk to people on the phone who want, you know, just some emotional support and spiritual help and prayer support, that kind of thing. So uh, without uh, praying and fasting, I said, yeah, we'll absolutely do it as long as they know that we can't deliver to every home in Albany County, but we'll absolutely stand up. So that's one of the kind of the cool side things, you know, that as a church that we represent Jesus well in our community, that we actually can partner with other churches. And it's pretty cool when the CDC itself picks up the phone and makes a call to the group that we're connected with. That's a big deal and uh, puts us in the middle of being able to minister. So some of you that are told to stay at home and not go out, if you're looking for something to do, my hunch is is sometime this week and the next week or two that we may be able to do some deliveries and ministries to people that just, just have a need. And obviously, even in that, just you be wise and you know, make those decisions along the way. So I feel like it's a great opportunity uh, for us to represent our Lord well and to, uh, to share and to give hope and help and uh, in conversations uh, with people 
And anytime there's a crisis, that's when the church is supposed to shine. And uh, so that's what I'm actually praying for. It's just is each of us in our little sphere and our little world in which we live is that we would uh, represent Jesus really, really well and, uh, and serve him. So I'd like to just start our service out this morning by praying for our community, for our leaders, for, for people. Um, and, uh, and, and, and as that, are there some, is there a specific, do you have some specific concerns or people that you know that are related to things? I know we had uh, a Farnsworth Middle School had a young, uh, had a, a child that uh, tested positive. And, but is there something specific that you're thinking about in your world? I'd be glad to pray for those by name this morning. Nobody? All right, you guys are easy. Well, pray with me, would you? Father, we come before you, and uh, your grace truly is enough, and that song was just so fitting for us to sing. Lord, thank you that you love us, that the Lord Jesus died for us, and that there's all reason for hope in the world around us. Lord, we want to be wise. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to uh, make this bigger or make it any less than it really is. And along the way, Lord, I pray that you would use us individually and as families uh, and as a church to be a blessing to our, our respective communities and our neighborhoods and the people around us. Father, uh, people are looking for hope and uh, they're beginning to struggle and they're beginning to ask questions. And Lord, those are the times and the moments when your peace that passes all understanding can speak into their world. So Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear those opportunities. And Lord, would you put us in those conversations and in those places to, to shine as a light in the middle of this. I pray for your protection, your provision for us as a church family, for our community. I pray, Lord, for our leaders nationally, our state, and uh, in our respective communities here. Would you give them wisdom? Father, would they uh, take the appropriate steps not to blow this out of proportion and neither to minimize it, Father, I uh, pray for our medical uh, workers, our healthcare professionals. Father, use them, protect them, I pray, and uh, help them to navigate uh, quickly with all of the, the needs, and not just the coronavirus, but all the others that are already there. So, Lord, we ask for your grace. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to share with you just a few minutes this morning out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it's kind of interesting how God works. I was, uh, as I was, I, I, this series has been laid out for quite a while now. And uh, as I was studying on Monday or Tuesday, I sent an email actually, because I work with a number of pastors and churches around. I sent an email to them that I never expected to send. And it was really before things kind of really got, you know, wound up middle of the week. And I remember thinking, uh, I, I sent it to the pastors and said, hey, if you haven't been thinking about you know, what would you do if you're not able to meet and what adjustments you need to make and, you know, how are you going to get connected with the people and how are you going to handle everything? Now might be a good time to start thinking about those kinds of things. And I thought, that's an email that I never really expected to send. And then, you know, literally a day later, you know, New Rochelle hits and all of that along the way. But what's kind of cool on the front end of Monday and Tuesday this week, because I, I spent Wednesday and Thursday in New Jersey and had kind of a crazy day Friday, 
as I was studying this, uh, this passage, the, really the first big thing that was hitting me is that with Jesus, there's always hope. And I can't think of a better way to start out this morning. And I want you to know, it wasn't because coronavirus hit this week, like that was already in front of it. So turn with me, if you would, to look at 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to read verse 13 and, and down through verse 18. And that's what Paul is trying to give the early church their hope, and it's appropriate for them then. It's appropriate for us here now. So read with me, if you would. The Bible says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, they're not going to be left behind. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. First thing I want you to recognize this morning is that with Jesus, there is always hope. There's always hope. Paul is writing to a church. These people were so excited about knowing Jesus, and they had said, he had so changed their life. They had not personally met Jesus before. They were alive just after. I mean, they were probably alive while he was during his resurrection, his ascension, but they weren't there in, in Israel to experience that. And Paul had shared with them that message just you know, a number of years later. And they had so received that relationship with Jesus, and it was so real and so vivid in their life that they woke up every day wondering if today was going to be the day that God was going to call them and he was going to finish this whole thing on earth and they would go to heaven and that would be that. They, they had such a vivid expectation of it. But time began to go on and they still kept that expectation. But along the way, some of them began to die. And as their loved ones, as their you know, grandmother and grandfather, their aunt and uncle, whomever began to pass away, they began thinking, oh no, they're not going to be here when Jesus comes back. They're going to miss out. Maybe they had sin in their life that somehow that they lost, you know, the grace of God in their life or judgment, and they really began to despair. And so Paul is like, hey, this is new, you know, get this. I don't want you to be ignorant of how this is going to work. So he's trying to give them a hope and an encouragement to say, no, God's got this. So that's why he says, I don't want you to have a, 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 to, to grieve to the point that you have no hope like people who don't know Jesus have when somebody dies. They don't refer, they don't say, Paul doesn't specifically say people who have died in verse 13. He says, you know, people who've, who are asleep. We say that in our culture today, right? Somebody passes away because the finality of, well, they died just sounds so cold and hard. And so Paul is saying, hey, I don't want you to ha not have hope about your loved ones who have passed away. So the first thing I want us to recognize, guys, is this, is that with Jesus, there is always hope, always, 100% of the time. Listen, I have, I have been a follower of Christ for almost 40 years. I, have been, I was brought up in a family that followed Jesus 
Uh, my dad became a believer when I was probably five years old, something like that, maybe six. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home. So all of my life, I have seen the reality that Jesus never fails. I have never once seen God fail my parents. I've never once seen God fail me in my life. I've never once now, third generation, seen it in my kids' lives as they're you know, beginning to make their way into this world and face all of those responsibilities. I've been in different scrapes and had challenges and all different kinds of things along the way like you have, but I've never once seen Jesus fail. And Paul is saying that we as God's people should always have a tremendous amount of hope. A hope in whatever situation we're walking in, whatever trials we're walking through, whatever is going on. The, the situation is never so bleak that we are to be of such despair that there is no hope. Now the thing about this hope is when the Bible talks about hope, it's a little bit different than what we usually talk about hope. It's actually firmer. In fact, I don't know, probably the best English word for this word hope is the word expectation. What Paul is saying, he isn't just saying like, I want you to make sure you just keep a hope, just keep a faith, you know, without any regard to reality. Have you ever talked to people sometimes and, and they're just trying to grasp at a, you know, hanging thread. Well, you just got to have faith, you know. You just got to keep the faith a little bit. Or you just got to have hope in something, you know, something bigger than you. That is not this kind of hope. What Paul is saying is, I want you to live with such a way, not like people who don't have a relationship with Christ and have no expectation of anything good in their life beyond the grave, I want you to have a firm, assured, guaranteed money in the bank that inflation and interest and stocks crashing because of coronavirus can't touch. I want you to know that you have a, a, a firm foundation which to affix your life to, toward which you stand upon, that, that you have, that you know that you know that everything is okay because it is going to be in reality. You have a sure and a firm hope in the middle of that. Stress is the kind of thing and anxiety is the kind of thing that builds upon itself. If you have stress and anxiety here and then the next little thing that comes along and you get a little bit more from something else, it kind of just piles in and it, and it, and it piles up on you. It's, a, it's like a compounding interest kind of thing. And what Paul is telling us is that we should have a hope in all of those scenarios and in every one of those situations that, that we should not be without that at all. Sometimes you and I allow the little things to cause us not to have hope. We can have the, the troubles and challenges of life. Oh no, what are we going to do? What if this happens or what if that and all of these things? You know, we truly don't know what this week's going to unfold in our future from work and from all kinds of things. We don't know, but we don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. We have a hope. So the fact that we know that we can have a hope even that when we die, that God has got this and he'll take care of us, how much more is we just face one step at a time one moment by moment, one day at a time, and all of that is that we have a phenomenal hope in our Lord Jesus who loves us and gave his life for us and he, he died for us. Now this hope isn't just for everybody. I want to make, make this clear, but notice what Paul says. He says in verse 14, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
Even so, through Jesus, God will bring those who have fallen asleep. Paul says this. He's like, look, guys, this hope, this isn't just hope that's out there for everybody. This is hope that is for those who have put their secure faith and belief in Jesus who died for them. And it, that same Jesus who rose again. It's the people who hope in the gospel. That's the, that's the center of all of our hope in life. You see, Jesus dying on the cross for us is what saves us. It's what gives us a relationship with God in heaven. But it's out of that relationship that, that in every sphere of life, we should wake up with such an incredible hope in the middle of that day. When we get up in the morning, God, thank you for Jesus. I want to know and follow him today. And God, my hope is in you. My hope's not in our governor. Our hope's not in there being enough respirators to go around and enough test kits to go around. And my hope's not in medical science catching up to anything. Uh, yeah, I want those things. I'm not saying that that's silly or foolish. Absolutely, we wouldn't have hand sanitizer out there and asking people to use it, you know, and stay home if you've got the sniffles or whatever. But we do those things because our hope is in Jesus, not instead of our hoping in Jesus. So that he really is the one that we should, should center on and, and find our hope in the middle of that. Now let me shift to the, the second thing I want you to recognize. The reason we have hope is because of Jesus, and it's because Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is being alive, that reality of that resurrection means that our resurrection is, is real also. So notice as Paul's writing to these people, he's like, hey, I don't want you to, to be worried about this. When Jesus comes back, it wasn't that he was just going to put you like some Star Trek teleporter thing, just feel, you know, kind of you're going to go from this earth to, to wherever he's going to take you. He says, he's telling us that there's going to be an actual resurrection. And look at, look at the details. There's no place in the Bible that gives us such a detail of what it's really in that moment going to be like when our Lord Jesus comes back. Look what he says. He says this in verse, verse 15. He says, we declare to you by a word from the Lord. He says, I got this straight from Jesus, that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will not proceed now, they're not going to go before the ones who've fallen asleep. They're going to go first, is what he's saying. In verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. He's telling us, Jesus isn't delegating this. He's not sending some general. He's not going to send Paul the apostle back or Peter to come gather people. He's not going to send Abraham back. He's not going to send Michael or Gabriel, any of the, the two two baddest angels that there ever were, the baddest good angels, uh, Michael the archangel. He's not going to send them to do it. He himself is going to come. And it's going to be with a shout of a command. He will come back with authority over this whole world. When he came the first time, he did not come with authority. Not in the same way. He came in innocence. He came in humility, lying in that manger. When he comes back this next time, there will be an authority and a shout will literally be heard all around the world. Skeptics back in the day, 100 years ago, would say like, yeah, really? How is the whole world going to see Jesus come back? Is that so hard to believe today with our technology? I don't find that very difficult to believe whatsoever. How many movies have you seen, sci-fi movies, where the aliens come in and they like hijack every screen and computer and phone and everything in the world? 
You know, I'm not saying that's what Jesus is going to do, but it's not that far-fetched. When Jesus comes back, he will utter a shout that will get the world's attention, and he will be making a command. And as a result of this, the Bible says, the dead that are in Christ will rise first. Think back to when Jesus got the word from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus had died. They, they sent word to Jesus. He was not in town, and, and in fact, he was slow going there. In fact, Lazarus had died by the time he got there. And the ladies complained to him. They said, had you been here, our brother would still be alive. It's your fault. And Jesus said, no, I've got some reason here. This is for glory. This is for God's glory. And he made a command and he said, roll the stone back from the tomb. And the ladies complained. I love the King James. Lord, he stinketh. That's a good theological world. He stinks. He's smelly. Three days is significant because in the Jewish culture, you know, they didn't have modern doctors and stethoscopes and all of that, and nobody was pronouncing anyone dead. So if you laid in that tomb for three days, everybody assumed you were really dead. Like you were dead, dead, dead. You were not coming out. You know why? Because there were instances where people were laying in there a day, and they get up and are like, Hey, let me out. You know, there was something weird going on and who knows what. They passed out, shallow breathing. I don't know. So they kind of made a rule like you really were dead after three days. Nobody's coming back. So Jesus wanted to make sure that everybody in their world knew that Lazarus was dead. And after that stone was rolled back, Jesus stepped up and he said, Lazarus, come forth with authority. Shout it. When our Lord Jesus comes back, His voice will not just be heard in Israel, it will be heard the world over. And I believe the command that He will be uttering is the command for all the dead in the graves that know Jesus to come forth, to experience life fully, that Jesus will come back with the souls of those who have died before, who know Him, and at that command, those souls will be reunited with their body and the bodily resurrection that He experienced will now be experienced by believers everywhere in the world, and it will be a shout of authority, a shout of command. The trumpets will be blowing, a fanfare fit for a king for the world. And the, the archangel Michael will speak with words, and I don't know what he's going to say, but all I'm saying is this, is it is going to be awesome. What our Lord is trying to tell us is like, guys, I want you to have hope that people who know Jesus that are going, not going to miss out. The most grand party in all of the world is going to be awesome. Awesome. To see our Lord who himself will descend into those clouds. You see, for us, death is not a final state. That's why there's hope. If there's hope after we die, there's hope in everything we do and how we live right now. Everything with hope with a, an encouragement and a joy in our soul. For, for the believer, death is, is not, a, not a reality. The Bible says that for us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said, it's, I would rather be there than here. You see, the real us is not this body. It's kind of funny. We spend so much money and so much time and so much effort to look good and take care of this outer body, but that's not the real us. This body is kind of like a house for our soul. The real us is what's on the inside. 
And the Bible tells us that for the believer who knows the Lord Jesus and surrendered their life to Him, when we are outside of that body, all that really changes is, is we've got a new mailing address. Our zip code has changed. We no longer have our old street address, but we are with the Lord. And that He will return with all of those individuals who are in heaven who know Him. And in that grand moment, I don't know how it will happen, but He will resurrect their body no more scars, no more uh, all the pain and, and all of the, the, the degradation of the world around them that their bodies experienced will be united together with their soul and they will come and they will meet Jesus in a moment and a twinkling of an eye, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. And then those who are believers who are alive will be right behind them. They will go right behind in heaven. Now, for some of you who are afraid of heights, I don't know how that's going to work. You're afraid of heights, Dan. Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work. To be honest with you, I, I, have, I have weird vertigo things. I hope when Jesus takes me up, we're not like an F-16, you know, doing spirals through the sky. I hope it's I hope it's a little gentler and kinder, you know. I'm just trusting God's got that. I put my hope that He's got it. I don't know how that's all going to work, guys. I don't. But it's going to be real. It's going to be physical. We will be with Him in the clouds. We will be with Him there. Now, the key thing that I want us to recognize in this resurrection, the awesome thing is not clouds, and it's not the ride going up, and it's not all of that but is that we will be present with the Lord. We will, we will be with Him. That's what verse 17 is. So we will always be with the Lord. Now, depending on your view of theology and how things go, at this point, that group is either going to go back to heaven and hang out, or at that point, this group, Jesus is on His way down, and this whole group is going to keep coming down to reign on this earth. So the fact of the matter is, is he doesn't tell us in this passage. And it really isn't what's most important. What's most important is, is that whatever we do, we're with Jesus. Whatever is going on, we're with Jesus. You see, God wants to give us hope. And that hope comes in that close proximity in that relationship with him. I sat down and did my taxes the last, uh, last Sunday afternoon. I hate doing taxes. Anybody with me? I just, I can't, we, we delegate and divvy up responsibilities in our home. My wife watches the budget well and handles all of that. And uh, I set it up years ago and she just keeps it running and working. But I always do the taxes. And uh, so it was that season and to sit down and do it. And, and as we sat at the table, it, honestly, it was the first time ever in the history of Pierce taxation that I got the taxes done on the first time. Like usually it's a week or two and you know, and I'm just like, ah, you know, where's this number? And just anyway, and we got it done. And I was like, I cannot believe this, Ooh, it's done. But my wife did something that I think helped it, but helped me more than helped it. She pulled up a chair and sat right next to me for those three hours and I was doing all the work and she just sat there. And, you know, I might need something. And she was like, well, I can go get that. Can I tell you that it really wasn't that bad doing the taxes? Because my wife was there. She was beside me. And we were together. 
That's kind of what this is trying to tell us, that guys, it doesn't matter exactly what happens after it. It's just going to be really good because we're going to be with Jesus. And we should have such a, an incredible hope and encouragement that as we live our life now, we have that relationship with God, but even more in eternity, that we're going to be physically and visibly present with Jesus. And I don't know what's going on. We might be doing other people's taxes for all I know. I don't know and don't care. But the fact that we're going to be with Jesus is what's going to make all the difference in the world. So third thing I want us to recognize, not only is this resurrection going to be awesome, it's going to be bodily, and it's going to be for those who know Jesus, and it's going to be an incredible thing, but how ought we to live with all of this today? What What should we walk out of this building in a few minutes when we're done singing and we go about our way this week? What should we do? Well, the last verse gives us a pretty strong clue. Look at verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul said, guys, I wrote all this to you for one purpose. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be be encouraged. We are to encourage one another daily and regularly and our relationship with God, that we should, we should consciously and tangibly walk around with that, that level of hope and joy and expectation in our life. We should have that. Well, Sean, are you saying that we can't ever be down or discouraged or, you know, all of that? No. Are you saying we shouldn't grieve? No. Paul isn't saying to these people, hey, get over it. Why are you grieving your grandfather dying or passing? He's not saying don't grieve, but what he's saying is in the middle of that, make sure that you have a hope. People that don't know Jesus don't have that. You're going to see these people again. They're in heaven. They are, in fact, if they were to come back, they would tell you, it's way better here than there. (laughs) And so have that, that hope and that encouragement. Live with that level of expectation. Secondly, We ought to live faithfully and boldly for our Lord Jesus today. Faithfully. Our Lord's coming back for us. If He wasn't, then maybe it wouldn't matter quite so much how you lived. But we ought to be bold in that. We ought to be secure in that. We ought to to live faithfully in our Christian walk because... Our Lord's coming back for us. I mean, it's, it's like the, the, you know, the mom who goes you know, to work or whatever she's doing, maybe shopping, whatever's going on, and comes home and you know, wants something done in the house. And the kids ought to do it because they know mom's coming back, like, right? If mom wasn't coming back, they'd be like, woohoo, mom's gone, we can party, you know? She's not going to be here for a week. Our Lord's coming back. And so we ought to live faithfully and, and boldly in our relationship with Him. Because he's coming back, our focus ought to be on him. That's honestly, if that's really where discouragement comes from. I think most depression comes there. I'm not talking about chemical depression. I'm talking about most depression, which is in our, our minds and our hearts are set on something that we can't get. You know, the Bible says it's that uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Part of that sickness is the the, de- the depression and the anxiety or the different stresses that come in there because you've got your hope set on something and you don't have it. And if your hope is on your security, right now people aren't feeling secure and so they're worried. Well, if your hope is set on something bigger than that, like God, then this down here doesn't bother you so much. Hope, 
deferred makes the heart sick. That's all of that stuff inside of us. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When God is your desire and your focus is upon the Lord Jesus, and He's your desire, then your heart becomes healthier. Your, I don't mean your physical heart. You guys know I'm talking about the inside heart. I'm talking about the stuff that's on the inside. Because that's really your purpose, your goal, your focus, your joy, and all of it. That's not just a, a tip or a trick to say, hey, here's, here to play the, here's how to play the mind game in yourself, you know. It's not, this is not a mind game. This is for real. Either your hope is in setting something that can deliver and really protect and serve and, and, and guide and care for you, or it can't. And you will never be able to trick your brain into, well, I'm going to put my hope into something. I know it's really not anything, but I'm just going to do it so they can have hope, almost like hope in hope. No, that doesn't work. Put your focus on the Lord Jesus. And as you find your hope in Him, all the rest of the stuff just becomes a lot easier as you go, as you go and as you live through life. Last thing. If, if these things are true, we ought to invite other people to know Jesus. We ought to be emboldened to do that. You see, Paul, Paul makes a reference here. His real focus is to encourage the church. But he, I want you to notice that he says, we, should, we shouldn't live without hope like people who don't know Jesus. You see, folks, when you don't know Jesus, you don't have hope. You don't have hope after the grave. You don't, have, you don't have a legitimate reason of expectation of things working out in your life and things working out in eternity for your good. This should cause us to have such compassion and boldness for people that don't know Jesus and our own family. They don't have hope. They don't have those expectations of health and happiness. You see, for us as believers, when we go to heaven, there's going to be a grand reunion. It's going to be us together with Jesus. For those that don't know Christ, there is not going to be a reunion going on. Not at all. This is not going to be a, it's going to be a disaster, cataclysmic disaster of their soul and of their life. To the degree that when Jesus told us the story to understand what that's going to be like, he told the story about the rich man who died and went to hell separated from God, who petitioned Abraham to say, Abraham, can't you just do something so my brothers don't come here? That was the last thing that he wanted because he knew if they went there, there was no hope whatsoever. So guys, the fact that you and I have, that, have this blessing and this relationship with God it should cause us to love well, to, to share well, to serve well, to care for, and to reach out to the people around us. I don't know truly what's going to happen with Easter. We've got invitations ready, plans are set, chairs are rented. I even have, there's on the table, you'll see them if you're interested. Like I, We bought like 40 or 50 little giveaway book it, booklets, the case for the resurrection, or case for Easter, excuse me, it's a case for Easter. Might be the best time in the world to hand those out because people are going to be at home not doing anything, you know. Maybe they're going to read the things and pay attention to them. So I don't know how God wants to use you right now in this season, but there is a season. There's something going on, and there's opportunity that people are beginning to ask questions and why, and they're going through stresses, and they're 
trying to figure things out. So maybe you know somebody that would do well to have one of those books. Take it home, spray it with Lysol, tell them it's good, and hand it to them. You know, give it to them with rubber gloves on, whatever you got to do, you know. Give them an invitation for Easter. I don't know. But you and I should be doubly and triply committed that other people would have this incredible blessing like we do as well. So let's have all the hope that God gives us. Let's live it out. Let's share it. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. I'm going to pray for us right now. Father, I'm grateful for the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, thank you that you did not leave us without any expectation of taking care of us now and in the future. And Lord, if you are strong enough to put back the molecules in our body perfectly, to recreate us, and to reunite our soul to our body. Lord, if you're the God that is that powerful and that committed to our good, there is nothing in this world that you will not do for our best interest. Lord, forgive us when we don't find our hope and our trust in you. and Help us to live that out with boldly, with bold confidence and joy. And Lord, would you give us opportunities to share that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.